This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website, www.reveltondistilling.com. This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes, and if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it! Would you like to sample some of my nuts? Welcome back to yet again another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media, brought to you by Revelton Distilling Company and broadcasting live from the Bedford Sportsbook Studios. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? We're doing all right. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that my internet's going to hold. It it kind of glitched a couple times there. <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's that's good. Uh, that's not good in any way, shape, or form. But let, we will hope that it holds out. I'm sure. Um, it will. Yeah, it, it's been probably a little while, listeners, since uh, you have been with us. We have had a lot of life going on, so mm-hmm. things have gotten a little bit delayed. Uh, I recently purchased a new home and have been trying to do a whole lot of updates before I move in. And now the timeline is is condensing very quickly on me. And I'm finding myself making a lot of shortcuts uh, that I don't necessarily want to make, but I'm having to make. So um, it's been it's been fun. So you're not moved in yet? I thought you were moved in. No, I, I, I have, you know, I have utilities set up and, and things like that set up and i have some things moved in but I, I we are not fully living there uh yet i i'm hoping next weekend we get to the 90 percent range um okay it's a very small house and so while you would say oh it's easy like you just downsize and you get rid of all that stuff what you what you quickly find is it actually requires a lot more of like deliberate thought on how you do things. And so it requires a lot more work to make things multifunctional. Uh, you're better than I am. I just move in and then dig myself out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I, I could, I could possibly do that. I'm trying to make sure my daughter's room is as like buttoned up as possible. And then we will forget sure. the rest from there. That makes sense. So yep. yeah. yeah. Well, congrats. How about you? Well, thank Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how, uh, how have you been? What's what's new with you? 
Uh, we are gearing up to go on vacation. We're leaving uh, next Saturday. We're going to go down to Arkansas to Hot Springs for a couple days and then stay on the Gulf at uh, Bay St. Louis, Mississippi for the rest of the week and then drive home. So uh, taking Caitlin and her boyfriend and the boys. So uh, nine hours in the car the first day. So if you've ever seen the movie of, Chris, of Vacation, I'm sure there'll be a couple Clark W. Griswold meltdowns on my end. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've seen the I've biggest seen ball of popcorn. That, and... Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen some other movies that might be a little bit darker that, that I'm thinking of. Um, but uh you're yeah, right. What's uh, that, that one where Jack Nicholson gets stuck in the hotel? What's that one? <laughs> the Shining. Yes, exactly. That's what the I was shining. thinking of. Right. For sure. Yeah. sure. Listen, sure. I learned a um, long time ago. I learned a long time ago. I am not staying in a hotel room anymore. I'm staying in a VRBO. I need some space. I need time away. I need some quiet time on my own vacation. So I I can't I can't do closed quarters anymore i just can't do it oh that that's why i just don't bring family on vacation that's the best way to do it well I'll try to talk to my wife <laughs> she's all about being the mom of the year and and taking care of the kids and the kids are important blah 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 uh, also i'm not allowed to cuss because we got a freaking swear jar upstairs and the kids are listening so oh. like, i'm not allowed to cuss so it's gonna be rough all right well well um that's good um <laughs> I, I'm excited to talk to our guest, uh, a friend of, of ours, uh, who I think is probably going to bait you into swearing as much as possible. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> so if you if you could go ahead and introduce our guest for this evening. You bet. Uh, well, I'm sure uh, everybody knows uh, uh, who he is. He's prevalent on Cyclone Twitter, uh, part of the uh, Tailgate Society, and a good personal friend of Tim and I's. Travis Holm. Uh, Travis, thanks for coming on Old Man Strength with us. Hi, right, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's been a long time coming. Um, I think you and I first met, obviously, on Twitter a couple years ago uh, and then did not realize that you were part of Tailgate mm -hmm. Society when I joined, uh, and then we kind of reconnected there. So uh, my introduction was terrible which is usually is on this podcast so why don't you fill in the, the i thought i'd beat i beat tim to the punch and making fun of me <laughs> uh, and why don't you fill the listeners in on uh, a little bit more about who you are so yeah i grew up in uh, central iowa i think uh, you guys are in a fairly similar spot with that um so um yeah i know i went to iowa state in 20, uh 2008 2012 um yeah big sports fan obviously i think as you guys know um so um but no i uh i've had a really fortunate time to kind of uh meet a lot of people via social media as most in our generation have um and i've kind of been able to carve out a niche for myself on there um it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty uh rare i guess to see a a gay Iowa State fan who, um, you know, I'm, I'm as loud as I can be on both topics. So I think that's kind of why you brought me on here today. <laughs> well, I didn't want to pigeonhole you being at being Pride Month and things like that. But 
Yeah, I know. I can't believe you labeled him as an Iowa State fan right away, Chris. That was just out of line. Um, I know, no, right? I, I, no, I, I, there's worse things to call me. Trust me. There's, that's, there's plenty that's worse. True. Uh, we'll get to that's later in the pod. That's true. No, but uh, Travis, uh, you're somebody that, that, uh, like Chris has said, that, you know, we've known you through your social media presence, but getting to, to hang out with you in person, get, getting to know you in person, and you've introduced me to so many other people. Um, why are you so good at just kind of social media relationships? I don't know how to shut up. I think that's the first thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my family always tells me that my grandma was super sociable, you know, so she, uh, she was a lady who, uh, in the 1940s, um, went to business college after growing up on an Iowa farm that didn't even have running water. Um, and then only to um, outdo that, she went to war. So we've kind of had a family where um, we meet a lot of people, we go a lot of places, and we don't really shut up. You know, our, our goal is, and she was the nicest lady ever, I still need to... Uh, uphold that end of the deal because sometimes I get a little um, more heated per se. But, <laughs> um, you know, we, we have a, we have a family where, you know, we don't, we don't really follow the status quo, never have, despite being um, so deeply, you know, kind of entrenched in that small town Iowa um, ecosystem. You know, I mean, she, uh, she was someone who uh, worked for, worked her whole life despite having five children, you know, and then on my dad's side, we had, you know, two parents, you know, I had two grandparents who both worked full time, bucked a lot of trends. Um, they were both art teachers, went to college. So um, we've always kind of been a little bit against the grain, maybe for the kind of the environments that we were in. So mm-hmm. um, my rendition of that and, you know, in the mid 2010s and now 2020s is kind of having that kind of a presence on social media. So, so not, not shy. Uh, um, no, I, no, I, I had never heard the story about your grandma though. So she went to business school and then she went to war. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So usually, like I said, when, when, when you're a, you know, when you're a, a farm girl in those times, you don't really do those things, but yeah. So she, she went to uh, San Francisco with the waves and she was processing soldiers who went off into the, uh, Pacific theater. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, That's, uh, that's kind of, so my, like my mom was, was, uh, she's the third, uh, in her family. So third out of four kids, but she was the first one. Her older brother eventually went to school after the war and he went, got his business degree and his law degree and whatever. Um, but she was the first one out of her family to go, and she grew up in a very teeny tiny town in northern Iowa, 240 people. I, I, I don't know what her graduating class was. It wasn't very big. I'm sure she was one of like six students to go to college whatsoever. Um, you're right. That kind of that small town uh, idea and that farming community idea back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s was just not. Uh, a, a thing, and so mm-hmm. I think I've I, I certainly learned a little bit more of my um, audacity <laughs> because of of watching uh, my folks and what they did. My dad, I think, was was probably the first in, in his. He was the third in his family, one of eight, uh, to go off to college. 
Um, but it, for me, it was never a, uh, a thought otherwise. Like I grew up just knowing I was going to got going to go to college, but I don't know anyone of, of like your grandma's generation that that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So, but in general, I I kind of bring that up just mostly because, uh, yeah, bucking trends and kind of um, not falling into that just small town mentality of keeping things as they are, you know, I think that's kind of the, the main message there, obviously. Mm -hmm. So being on social media and getting to know you through that, uh, I would say that you are involved in a lot of different Twitter spaces, let's say. So obviously uh, cyclone sports, uh, you're a big fan of college baseball, Texas A&M, uh, I don't know that I, I, there's been times that I felt like you didn't necessarily have a true home. You were kind of cheating on the other, the other schools sometimes. Uh, yeah. And then of course your passion about city planning. Yeah. I'll, I'll, in any day, I will see a tweet from you about city planning, college baseball, cyclone sports, mm-hmm. um, obviously the LGBTQ community and, and how important that is. What, where do your loyalties lie? Uh, I mean, what you just have such a wide gamut of, of, of things that you talk about. What are you, what are you most passionate about? Oh, I think, uh, I think the whole, uh, I I think that, I think it's good to just have a well-rounded life in general. Um, And so I'm not, I don't live my life in one of those circles. So um, my Twitter account doesn't, you know, and I've I've, 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 I've dabbled in having a professional Twitter account where I just pretend that everything's great in the space that I'm in and I'm incredibly politically correct there. And I, you know, follow the company line there and, you know, it is what it is, but that's not really who I am either. So, um, I think Chris, what I would say is, is my Twitter account is just an accurate reflection of me. Um, when I'm a drunken mess on a Saturday night, my Twitter account reflects a drunken mess. <laughs> you know? um, when I'm when I'm being incredibly thoughtful, having a good work day, my Twitter account might just reflect that for once. You know, I mean, I, I would guess mm-hmm. that the latter is seen a little more, but you know, it's um, I think it's just a reminder that uh, no one, no one, you know, no one wears one pair of shoes. You know, um, we all yeah. kind of, you know. No, I would I, certainly during the pandemic, uh, we had plenty of group Zoom calls with any number of people where the former was probably a lot more reflective of what was going on. <laughs> um, but those uh, drunken Saturday nights, yeah, I mean, there were drunken Tuesdays too. If you want me to be honest, <laughs> there were. If you look back through like uh, Trav and I, like our like our interactions, both. Like, because we were interacting on Twitter while on Zoom uh, uh, in the summer of 2020, I think you would find some things that were um, uh, entertaining, to say the least. Yeah, those were good times. Um, it taught me that I didn't have to necessarily be going everywhere and still having fun. Um, yeah, nothing beats real human interaction, but um that those those those, uh zoom calls really did kind of get us through that year for sure yeah absolutely i I, I joined a little late there go ahead tim 
No, I was gonna say I, the nice thing too is the is that Travis introduced me to a lot of people that I wouldn't have probably had any other reason to interact with, and it's been a lot of fun to kind of expand that that Twitter sphere, that that whole universe of people. Um, I, because I, I don't know that I would be friends with someone that went to Texas A&M otherwise. And ironically, that was that was the weirdest thing is one of the friends you introduced me to from Texas A&M. Uh, is a friend of one of mine up here in Minneapolis as well, like, or at least a Twitter friend. Uh, like it, like the world got a lot smaller when we were all hidden, frankly. So, sometimes, sometimes, I mean, the world's always been that small. I think some of it too is just, um, you know, it, some of it too is just uh, putting yourself out there socially. And usually there's a little liquid courage in there too. I think uh, yeah. we're not fooling anybody there i think uh when we were hanging out in uh minnesota what was that two summers ago at a baseball game i think we had four states represented yeah. in a group of five so yeah exactly uh, yeah yeah that, yeah that was good that was that was fun that was uh that was a lot of fun i i uh uh i don't know that i even made it that many twins games last year i still haven't been to a twins game uh this year but that one was probably one of my more fun nights not just at the twins game but uh after as well well, and yeah, I think we went to uh, we went to a I don't know what you call it a gay townie bar in Loring Park in Minneapolis. What was that place called? Ah, uh, what is that place called? Uh, we played pool. What, the, what is that place called? Why can't I even remember this? I'll... Yeah, because I I'm I I've, I've really struggled to find a good gay bar in Omaha because they're all um more dancing and I just don't have moves. So I prefer the the townie bar vibe. And this place hit like it it hit that perfectly if well the the best thing about this too is that uh so it's the middle of the pandemic and during the middle of the pandemic no one was taking cash but this was such a dive bar that they only took cash if you tried to pay with a card they were like yeah no no no, no we don't we don't do cards but it was the middle of a pandemic um i but i mean like so that neighborhood in, in loring park is absolutely kind of um you know, quote unquote, a a historically traditionally uh, LGBTQ neighborhood that you can call it they've a developed <laughs> a neighborhood. I like that. Yeah, but like it's but it's become like like such that you can actually literally establish these dive bars that have been around for 20, 30 years that don't have to follow the the i a straight person's idea of what a gay bar should be. Right, yeah. they're, they're just a bar that just happens to be predominantly patronized by by gay people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, it was called nineteen. I, bar, I, by the way. I looked it up. Oh, that's that was, was nineteen. You're right. Yeah. Okay. But so you're saying Omaha doesn't have anything like that, really? Oh, not really. It's 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 like a it's more more of a more of a club scene, which isn't really my scene. So that's kind of a that's kind of a, an issue that I deal with here. Um, when you're when you're in a when you're in a city that maybe doesn't have as prevalent of a gay community, it seems like the establishments cater to what the predominant, impre- you know, I guess maybe what the predominant uh, impression of gay sure. people is. And I sure. and there's a, there, there's certain areas where I just don't really fit that. So um, I, I mean, so that, was, I, that, was it, that was a fun. That was yeah. definitely a fun time for sure. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good. It was like we got to play pool and 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 have some drinks, and it, it was a good time. Um, 
but yeah, I, I suppose it, uh, a state like Nebraska, not that Iowa's any better, but a state like Nebraska necessarily um, has not necessarily been as friendly uh, to the gay community as, as maybe some other states have been. No, I mean, it's, it's a lot better than it was 20 years ago. Um, I think, um, so, and, and where I sit right now, I'm, I'm sitting in Iowa in my home and then literally a mile behind my back is the, um, Nebraska, Iowa border. So, um, unlike Sarah Palin, I can actually see a different jurisdiction from my, <laughs> um, but, uh, how often have you used that joke? Um, I think they just made that up just now, but, um, <laughs> No, so it's it's it, it's a mixed bag because I feel like right now, I think I think the polling right now is that seventy percent of Americans um, support gay marriage. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think some of that seventy percent has religious inhibitions against it, but they're smart enough to realize, okay, we need to separate church and state. So yeah. I think that's a that's a line that's been drawn that I'm okay with. Um, it's been. You know, there, for a long time, there was people, my religion says that gay marriage is bad, so therefore we shouldn't have it in America. You know, it's like, time out, folks. That's 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 separate church and state here. Uh, yeah. But I, I do my, think that, for, for one, most people, more people in America are, are proponents of it. But then also, I think the, the rest of those religious people who might have issues with it personally are smart enough or are open enough to realize, oh, wait. My religion does shouldn't dictate law. So overall, I think things have gotten better, even in Iowa and Nebraska. That being said, um, it's it's hard to say things are better in Iowa and Nebraska versus saying things are better in Omaha and Des Moines, or Omaha and Lincoln mm-hmm. and Des Moines and Ames oh, sure. and Iowa City and things like that. Um, I don't know if I'd feel safe if I lived. Um, you know, in a, in a lot of small towns, especially in like northwestern Iowa, for instance, or just anywhere in rural Nebraska, um, especially if I was like actually in an open relationship, which right now I'm not. So, um, but I, I do think that um, maybe my attitude on the things have gotten better, at least on the G part of LGBT. I think I think it's gotten better, at least in urban areas, for sure. Um, you still have the, you're, it's never going to be perfect, but I would say that at least in, in the urban areas, especially 50 K and above, I do think that, um, in our two States, I guess it's, um, I should say my two States, um, it has gotten better, but you know, it's, it, it, the thing with progress is it's a constant race that you're always going to be racing. It's never, there's never going to be a finish line. You know, there's always going to be hills. There's always going to be valleys. You know, it just um, and so right now things are good for the gay community, or they're fine. But what we've discovered is that, or what I've discovered is that a lot of the things that I heard in like 2002 and 2005 and 2008 that was used against gay people, those are the same excuses now that are used to justify um, the trans hate discrimination against the trans community. Which I'm just like, okay, time out, folks. Like, I heard that I was a locker room liability in 2002. Now, granted, I was in the closet until 2018, but you know, I'd always hear, oh, we can't have gay people in locker rooms because they might be looking at 
you know, someone's junk. And it's just like, no, I had two minutes to get changed after gym class before I got right. math and I hated math. So, no, I wasn't worried about your junk, you know, like. And so those are kind of the same. No, I was going to say that the, 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 the guys waving their dick around in the locker room weren't the gay. Like, like it was like literally just like this super macho thing going on anyway. But, so, yeah. And it, it so, you know, those days are over for me. But so I get really angry now when I see those exact same talking points being used against another community. So that's kind of where I've had to pivot in the last couple of years. And, mm. um, and you know, I don't want to get too far all over the place, but like I have two trans cousins who um, one was a, a, an absolute pioneer in both realms, came out of the closet as a, as a gay man in 94 <laughs> in Marshalltown, Iowa. So obviously um, – a lot earlier in his life than me, but then also yep. just in a time that was just not friendly to that whatsoever. Right. And then um, later, um, more, I guess, firmly or more um, openly identified as trans, which is where she wanted to be ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, so um, seeing the, seeing just kind of what she's gone through really has been angering me lately. And it's really been a reminder that um, – while I've been able to see a lot of good things happen in the last five years of my out experience, um, I, one, I know that the things that I've heard said about me have been said to trans people and are still being actively waged like in a war and almost in a warlike um, political way against them. But I also see that the way laws are written, some people are still really pissed off about gay people being happy and able to live their lives. So yeah. I've noticed that laws and bills are being written. Uh, they're being written vaguely enough, and they're using all four letters. So we are kind of going back in some I was gonna say, there's a There's a little bit of a, a regressive tendency to some yeah. of these things. Florida, right? Iowa. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, it's a, it's a blue-red thing. And yeah, yeah. there's a few outlying red states where I think that there are sensible enough governors to realize, oh, I'm not going to do this. But no, I mean, Iowa, Iowa and Florida in particular are the – Two of the bad ones. Somehow Nebraska has managed to not be as awful as Iowa, and I and I still don't understand how that's happened. But I'm sure. I, well, I think because half of them aren't, aren't paying attention to what's going on. Like I mean, hey, it in, in Minnesota we passed legal weed because uh, our conservative uh, Congress people didn't even read the bill. So I, I I can imagine that some of those things are going on there as well. Uh, but yeah. no, I, no, that's interesting that the the attack that you already feel an obligation to be an ally, uh, like it's it's a very weird space to be in, right? Like, you know, I'm 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 a straight white male. I'm gonna be an ally to anything I possibly can, but I'm never having to defend. No one has is ever asking me to defend straight white males. Uh, like you in your journey have already come to a point where you feel comfortable enough to now feel an ally for a different, a different group. Like you, everyone gets lumped together, but really you're being, you're being an ally for a different uh, group of the way people identify themselves. Mm. Um, uh, probably because you have more empathy, um, but also just because, uh, man, I, <laughs> It's just fucked up. Like I'm, I'm gonna swear. Like Chris put a dollar in the in the jar for me. It's jar. fucked 
up. Yeah. So it it, it, it kind of came. It was interesting for me how I got to this point because in 2019 I was working on a neighborhood project in Omaha um, in a predominantly um, in a predominantly red line neighborhood from you know 1900 until the Civil Rights Act was passed in um, 1968. I can't remember if it's 67 or 68, but um, you know, so things are bad for the have been bad and still are for some sections of the LGBT community, but. I think the moment where I truly learned that my space was to always walk a mile in someone else's shoes um, was in 2019 working on a neighborhood project in North Omaha, which is a predominantly black neighborhood, um, which was, which if, if you're not familiar with the term of redlining, it's um, basically people of color were only able to get mortgages in certain areas of town. Well, our poverty maps in Omaha still pretty much directly correlate with that redlining map from a hundred years ago. So naturally massive disinvestment, slumlords, um, kid, kid, kids not able to get out of poverty, stuff like that. So that was where I kind of learned how to, that, that's where I got my social advocacy streaks started. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already, I, I had seen myself finally in a vulnerable position and accepted my vulnerable position. Cause obviously for 15 years, I ignored it, but as soon as as soon as you accept that vulnerable spot, you start to notice other people who are getting the shaft. Yeah. And as soon as as soon as that kind of turn that that switch turns in your head, whether you're um, from a whether you're from like on a perch or whether you're not affected or whether you're in that spot, you're just not able to unsee that anymore. And um, so at that point, so in 2019, um, that that's that was really a, a turning point for me, because mm-hmm. so so for then it was with people of color, um, uh, low income individuals, stuff like that. Yeah, like because so like, like you you and I have, you and I have talked about how like yeah. I 94 through Minneapolis, yeah, uh, was one of the more like criminally mm-hmm. uh, socioeconomic and racist like things like yeah. a, a a federally funded interstate went through and literally bisected neighborhoods uh-huh. by yeah. haves and have nots. Yeah. And, and so, and so being able to understand that 2019, so keep in mind, I'm, I'm saying the years as a timeline for that reason, 2020 hits. We have, we have, we have the coronavirus pandemic that is indirectly affecting just people, uh, certain, certain populations a lot more than others. And because a year earlier I had been working on this neighborhood plan and my small town brain just kind of exploded, um, I saw that community getting once again. They, you know, they were the, their death rates of COVID were higher. Um, the George Floyd murder happened, um, and then it was also coming out that um, like murders of black trans people were um, skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that that murder rate was always high, but I think what what was finally happening was those were actually being reported. Yeah. Yes. So, so then, you know, we go, the country goes through the basically kind of an up, that uprising, um, which um, was probably long overdue for being really honest. Um, so then 2021, 2022 comes around and I start reconnecting with um, a cousin of mine who I had honestly really not known who's trans really has been a pioneer in that world. And I realized that I just kind of had to keep that ball rolling of being that loud advocate in whatever spaces I occupy. So I guess, as you guys know, me, the spaces I occupy are 
Omaha, Nebraska, Central Iowa, Cyclone Twitter, um, and then kind of in my professional life. So, um, you know, I think uh, I think I've, I've I fit all of the check boxes for, as the right would like to say as being a part of the, a member of the woke mob. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm a, I guess I'm a proud founding member of the woke mob in my and uh, in, in all the spaces I occupy because at the end of the day. I'm standing up for the little guy here, you know, yeah. and, I think, and I, and, and I truly believe that even the people who've been against me as a gay person, I think deep down they're trying to look out for the little guy too. And that's always the connection I try to make because at the end of the day, um, we're all getting the shaft in some way, you know, and it eventually, if you're watching someone get put in a situation they don't deserve, eventually you're going to be put in that too. And you're going to remember the time that you saw that happen to someone else and you did nothing. And then can you really, I mean, can, can you really get mad at other people who don't probably not? So, right. But I, so it's just one of those things where, um, especially over the last six years, as our society has learned to show more empathy and to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, I definitely have too. But I think, Fortunately, I was able to kind of go through my coming out process in 2018 before there was a true reckoning for multiple communities in our society, which sure. was, which just as my coming out was way overdue, that uprising and that reckoning point in America was also well overdue. So the fact that those two things kind of happened, you know, quite quickly after each other and kind of in this line of, um, you know, kind of in this timeline here, um, it's been pretty... Um, it's been beneficial for me because it's just, it's really opened my eyes here too. Travis, I, I, Go ahead, I've been, I've been pretty prevalent on Twitter with my son's story mm. and have been pretty open about it, especially more and more lately as I see the attack on, on that, that lifestyle and, and mm. things like that. But I think you and I connected kind of on the same level. Uh, I think you had, you and I had had a couple conversations about religion mm-hmm. and, and gay rights. Um, and you had spoke about, you know, people kind of seeing the way and, and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm going to share this real quick because it's a former guest that we had. Tim, I don't know if you saw John Miller's tweet um, that he had sent out where he said, yes. 15 years ago, I was emailing my pastor disagreeing with the church's stance on ordaining gay ministers, gay pastors was a straight up homophobe today. I'm proudly marching in the KC pride parade. And I'm yep. just wondering, um, Travis, you spoke a little bit about um, religion and people holding that mm-hmm. on and, and things like that. You and I have had conversations. I've been very open. I'm a practicing Catholic. Uh, I have a personal relationship with my Catholic faith, but I will be the first one to tell you that I don't I don't agree with every single thing that the Catholic Church as mm-hmm. a whole and as a religion wants to teach. Um, mm-hmm. Because I believe that Jesus gave me a mind to be able to think for myself, not follow mm-hmm. the lemmings. So yeah. and I've always said, I, I just don't believe in a God that is not going to let somebody go into heaven just because they may happen to love another man or another woman. I'm just not, I just don't buy that. So I know you've struggled with that a little bit, but have you being such an advocate, seen people that are close to you turn and maybe change the way they feel about that? Well, so I'm glad that you mentioned the John Miller tweet without even, um, 
me mentioning him beforehand. Um, so I genuinely despised him as a radio host in central Iowa. Um, for as uh, he, 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 he himself he was, will say he was an asshole. He yeah. was, well, first of all, he was Hawkeye. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> right. I'm supposed to hate him. But, but, but no, but, I mean, but, it, was, yeah. it was, it was him and Steve Dace on this right wing plank. Yeah. Um, in central Iowa. So to see at least one of them have a, a, a transformation where they're actually willing to walk a mile, like I said, walk a mile in someone else's shoes, show yeah. empathy, not, and, and just understand that maybe they don't know everything, you know, um, yeah. uh, uh, guys like Steve Dace, I truly think that we're bullied as a kid. And I think that he's just been on a vendetta ever since to bully as many people as possible. Yeah. That's I, how, so right. Steve Dace, we don't need to talk about him anymore, but that's just, yeah, I, so I, to, I, to, to, see I, the, to see that John has made this transition, you know, I think those two are kind of the perfect example of um, one realizes, oh, I was I was very wrong here, you know, and then another who has just put his heel down and, you know, but also there's a reason why he's on Blaze TV subscription service only. Yeah. So right. meanwhile, you know, John Miller has been able to move on and do much bigger, better things. I mean, I mean, um, but to just, see, I think John, people, John learned to eat crow a lot. I guess I've been able to see progress in a lot of people, including my dad, um, on the issue. Yeah. And um, I think I, it, huh. there, there, there's a fine line here because you can be the loud advocate who screams all the time, but usually you can get toned out. So you have to remember not to scream too loud. They're come across as too erratic. Um, it's the slow and steady winning of the race and it's, it's the, it's being able to have the conversations and be the good person that you are that eventually does turn people like a John Miller. Cause he'll realize, Oh, you're still the same person, you know, and I don't have a personal relationship with John Miller, but he's, he, I have plenty of John Millers in my life, you know? Yeah. And, um, but, uh, no, it's, it's. There's, I, I saw a t-shirt once, and I and, and and for as much as I want radical change right away, I realize it's not how it works. It said rugged. It said, it said. I think it said rugged and uh, incrementalism, or I think, it, or maybe it was. Uh, it said something to that effect. But basically, I, I I hate that progress is so slow, but that's just how it is. Yeah. And sometimes winning the hearts and minds of one person over each day, and changing. You know, if you if if you if you're a good person and can change the mind hearts and minds of one person a day, that's 365 a, a year. You know, yeah. over time, over five years, that's a lot. You know, but I also think that, um, I I do think that you know people like John Miller, for instance, um, he he him and Chris Williams did a podcast probably two years ago that was probably one of the best podcasts I've ever um, listened to. Um, how because of their religious faiths, eventually a light bulb went off in their head. Yeah. Was, oh, I might need to practice what I preach instead of treating this like a country club. Yep. Yeah. And um, it was really phenomenal. I, I hope, and, and maybe, and maybe uh, you could share that after this, but I think everyone. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was, that was a good one. He came on uh, a couple months before that on ours. Yeah. And, and told the story of, of uh, him, bringing in uh, some kids, some foster kids. Mm -hmm. And that had really opened up his eyes to realizing mm -hmm. that not everybody gets the same chance at life. 
that maybe his own kids got and realizing that there are other there are other problems and other issues that are at play and having a little bit more compassion um i think really opened his eyes so uh i i even commented to john yesterday his voice is important uh because people like him with a loud microphone have the ability to show others that it can be done so yeah yeah like one thing that that i've always said is i didn't graduate with a gay classmate at my tenure uh, reunion, which I didn't go to, but I, I know at, at my tenure reunion, I had several gay classmates, right? Like, uh-huh. like I, the, just the idea that slowly, but surely people are realizing that, you know, particularly like growing up in a, in a conservative Midwestern Iowa town, uh nobody's gay well no no it's not that nobody's gay nobody's openly gay right right when they get away they go to school they go to a different city they go to whatever they're finally out there and what you realize is you know jason steve pete whatever yeah you know what they were they didn't get gay in college they were gay the entire time they finally came out and were honest themselves mm-hmm. and guess what when they come back to visit they're still jason or steve or pete they're like they're fine like they're they're it's the same and i think i think sometimes in a small town like that sometimes it it it, it sucks to say this but it needs some sort of like humanization to realize that like it's very easy to dehumanize someone from a distance. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially if they leave. Because I think I think yeah. some of it, too, is that uh, I, th- I think there's some disdain in rural America for people, for anyone who leaves for the big bad city, you know, the big yeah. bad city full of full of culture and, you know, oh. full, full of gay oh. people and full of oh. diversity and full oh, tra- of oh, Travis. opportunities. Do you and, know? How much crime there is up in Minneapolis? I'm I'm told by everyone who doesn't live in Minneapolis how much I should be afraid. Sam, of I was just up in Minneapolis and I was just shedding bullets the entire. Time. I know, <laughs> weren't you? Wasn't it just so scary? Like no, it's I, I so will, scary up I here. I can't believe I live here. Yeah. <laughs> Picking up your sarcasm, it's pretty heavy. Everyone who everyone who who lives in in Buffalo was very afraid for Travis for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, but it's just like so. I think there's some resentment there too, um, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, if you can't be happy in a space, you got to leave it. So, and you know, unfortunately, I've done that, and I've been able to dabble back in it since. Um, but as a, but a, one thing I've noticed though is that as I continue to live my life and do the things that I love to do, um, you know, even though I've never, even though I haven't even. Uh, gotten into a relationship yet is um, people back home have been able to know that I'm still the same, sometimes nice, sometimes smart ass Travis. Um, they notice that I'm open to what they have to say. And they know that. Um, and quite frankly, they, they know that I still support my parents quite well. Sure. Um, and yeah. um, I think that that's that that speaks volumes to them in their language. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I had a very difficult, difficult, you know, I, I had a very difficult coming out, but I've had three or four situations since where I was the first person to rush home. You know, there was a, there was a tornado in Marshalltown, the derecho hit, 
Um, and we've had a couple of medical situations in my family where, you know, I think, I think it, and I didn't do this to show up anybody. I did it because it was, you know, it was just the right thing to do. I would have, I, you know, I would have been, you know, um, I guess I would have been, I, I would have been sick to my stomach if I hadn't, but I was the first person to rush home in all those situations, you know? And, and so, I mean, it could be really easy for me to come home and just shit on small town Iowa for being short-sighted or being small-minded or whatever. Um, but they're still my home. They always will be. And um, one thing I've discovered is that me being me means that they at least um, become open and receptive to me, even if it's not on the gay thing or the liberal thing. Uh, I'm still there, Travis. And I think that I think that is how you slowly can chip away, you know, um, incrementally and make at least some progress. Um, I think, I don't think that's the goal everywhere because we need, we need, we need strong, robust change nationwide. But in that space, I think that makes, does a lot of good. Okay. So uh, I, with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break and grab a word from our sponsor. I want to get back into that though, because I, I want to understand a little bit more about, um, what it means to to just remind everyone that you are you regardless yeah mm-hmm. uh, in a community that doesn't that has these weird preconceived notions so we'll we'll get into that we're, we're gonna get take a break we'll grab over from our sponsor we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about that at revelton distilling company everyone has become a part of the revelton family from the tailors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. Welcome back. I appreciate uh, that word from our sponsor at Revelton Distilling Company. Um, Travis, I... I, I think one of the things that I struggle with even today on this pod is that I don't want to make this anything other than just talking to someone that I know and love very much. But I do think it is it is important, I think, to be able to talk about um, what that message looks like, and particularly because we are in, like you said, uh, an era where uh, our trans friends are are under attack and that the language that is written in laws, particularly like you said, in Iowa and in Florida is vague enough to be very regressive. Mm-hmm. I, and, uh, like, <laughs> you know, it was hard enough for me to come out as, as not Republican to my family. Like I can't even imagine, uh, what you have gone through. Uh, but I, I guess I, I would say you've gone through uh, um, a, a unique journey uh, of coming out later in 
life. And in probably a time where it was more safe to come out, frankly, but it still took a while to come out, right? Um, I, what did that journey look like, I guess, for you? And, and, and uh, where, where do you feel like you, like you learned a lot through that process? Um, I think what we'd want to do is we want to probably um, go back, I guess, to the beginning. I probably knew when I was 14 or so. There were probably signs earlier. Um, But like I said, based on where I grew up, um, you know, growing up in an environment where you hear some just very nasty homophobic things and, um, and just innately thinking that it was wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if you guys ever heard the phrase internalized homophobia when you're in the closet, when you're, when you're in the closet for 14 years, you start to really hate that part of yourself. You hate yourself. Yeah. And it it starts to show in other areas. Like, uh, like I think I I was talking to my dad once about like, uh, you know, when I was in school and stuff and he noticed a certain dips in my grades even. And yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, that, that kind of correlates. Um, but, um, you know, it's so like all through high school, I just kind of ignored it, mm-hmm. um, hit it, you know. And I think, too, um, I probably had a much more flamboyant personality at 14. But then 15, 16, 17, I probably mastered hiding it. Sure. Like some of that, some, some, some of my personality now, I, some, I've actually had the question, um, how much of my personality now is that facade I built at age 15, 16, 17 versus how much of that is me now? You know, sure. I, don't, I don't necessarily know the answer to that, but my guess is that if it, if, if, if that was a facade I had on for 15 years, I'm not going to change it tomorrow either. I'd also, I, I would also argue that like, you know, the number of, the number of athletes on the Iowa State football team that I knew back in in the early two thousands that were out of the closet with a certain group, mm-hmm. right? Like personality is not correlated, right? Like, yeah. like I think people need to understand that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think some of it though is, um, you know, I, I've even had the question: Am I so sports? Am I? Am I? Am I did I become so sports crazed because I was just trying to? Seem more not gay. Yeah, no, I've had that question before. I mean, I'm not going to suddenly just not become a sports fan anymore because because now I'm firmly entrenched, unlike Gene Chizik. Oh, next year for Pride, we should get a a, a gay coin, a Pride coin, mm-hmm. just like the the Gene Chizik coin. They hey, Tim, the we're day. trying to bring yes. the community forward, not take it back. <laughs> You can celebrate 5 and 19, but the gay community cannot go 5 and 19. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing in Chizik with homophobia, like, thanks, Tim. Oh, man. You're the one who brought up firmly entrenched. Yeah. We are devolving here on this podcast. The Travis Holm effect. <laughs> God. Anyway, no, but I'm I'm 
so like like i said i'm firmly entrenched in kind of this uh this life i'm in and i like it but i i do wonder if if i would have gotten here had i been out at 14 you know i've heard that i've, I've wondered that um but that being said i guess I, I don't i wouldn't really trade my life now um you know um minus the fact that i'm still a single dude who doesn't get to the privilege of like splitting rent and utilities that's about the only complaint i have in the world right now but uh um no so it's you know so in college i kind of trying to get back on track here um <laughs> trying so in, in college i kind of knew I, I i in college i still thought that maybe something could change mm -hmm. i could still be straight probably i think by the time 2012 hit i think i was like okay this ain't changing but like I said, that's 2012. I came out in 2018, so that's still six more years. Yeah. So, um, but in 2012, in my fraternity, we started to have openly gay um, younger members on our house, and and that's actually one. Um, that might have been the first environment where I saw change happen, somewhat quickly. It was a very, I mean, and now I still love my fraternity experience. It's the reason I'm able to communicate today, Tim. So like. The, the you know when you talk about my ability to socialize yeah. it was that it was that experience that kind of unlocked that in my head that my my, my grandma's social gene you know um yeah. yeah that was that was the that was probably the best four years of my life um in terms of my growth just in a lot of other ways not not so much in terms of um you know coming to be more of my true self but in terms of just you know not being, yeah. not being a kid anymore you right. know? I yeah, um, I will, but I will, um, see, I will see, defend to this day that the Greek system has done a bet at Iowa State has done a better job of of embracing brothers coming out than than even like the dorm system has like like they, yeah like for such a bro culture for mm -hmm. so long right it was bro culture when I was there in the in the 90s and like they've done a really good job because when you say bro culture the, the first part is brother right. and supporting people and, and that's where it's been like weird to me like I, I didn't expect it but like it's actually come around fairly well and and there were and so and just seeing in my own house seeing it going from kind of homophobic in you know 2009 to having multiple open brothers who were accepted for it in 2012 yeah that was that was a four-year stretch that was a very very um well that, that was that was the first time yeah you know, like i said i saw it in a space of my own yeah progress being made you know yeah. so yeah. so then i moved to an even more conservative part of the country in texas um i was down at in college station at texas a m for a while um and to be honest so that was, I was in College Station in 2015 when the Obergefell ruling came down. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if it was based upon my experience or based on where it was geographically. I was shocked. I never would have imagined. But I also just didn't think I'd ever get married. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> I'm being really honest. Um, everyone's like, oh my God, where were you when the Obergefell ruling? And I was like, I was probably at work and I probably didn't even think about it. I probably went home and 
watch Sports Center. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I. No, no, it, it has know, nothing so, to do with my sexual orientation. It's that I'm unlovable, entirely <laughs> unlovable. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, and so it really was. Um, so then 2016, 2017 comes around. Um, you know, um, we all know what happened there. And um, <laughs> I'm not going to say that the election led me to coming out, the 2016 election. Yeah. Um, but it did not lead me to it. You know, it, it's it, it was one it, of those it, things it, where maybe. I saw a bunch of regressive ideas suddenly being embraced again. And I'm like, right. oh, shoot. And and I and I was in a place that was just firmly. They were also no, they were firmly entrenched, oh, in entrenched. you know. And um, you know, I mean, that was you know, it's rural Texas. So, um, so I ultimately left. I realized that that wasn't going to be the place for me. And now, you know, when when you really wanted to just leave regression for a liberal utopia, you go to Omaha, Nebraska, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say though, Omaha, like. Omaha, like, especially in the urban core of it, is very progressive, very accepting. Um, there's a lot of just different types of people. Um, you know, to be honest, there's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like most, I, I, I knew that I needed to move to at least a city. Now, yeah. I moved to a fairly small one, you know, about, you know, metro about a million people, but, um, but it's, it's, it's got it's got that vibe. There's enough diversity here where I was kind of able to be me at least a little bit. Yeah. And it was here where I was actually able to, you know, finally come out the closet, especially to friends, um, my boss at the time. So. Um, but so yeah, no, the, 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 it's got that like so like midwestern states have this vibe where, um, all of these kids that felt like outcasts in their small towns and their tiny towns in, in the Midwestern states go to a city to feel like they can be mm-hmm. more likely to encounter people that are like them. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a, right? there's a bar in so that... and uh, there's a hotel by there and that it's kind of, it, the, there's a lot of people there who have like frequent points at this one hotel because it's near the Omaha, like the Omaha gay bar that they like. And yeah. they're from Columbus, Nebraska, or Storm Lake, Iowa, you know, yeah. and and one Panama, Nebraska, some tiny little town. Yeah. yeah. No, I no, I I, I get that. I I get that. I I think, uh, particularly like in, in a like I can't even imagine like in South Dakota or, or North Dakota, like you don't the the. The capital of South Dakota is sixteen thousand people. It's not even a big city. Like, there's n- nothing to do. Like, I, I, I think there is something to be said though about urban centers allowing people to like learn a little bit more to be around mm-hmm. more people that are like them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And and so I, I which is interesting because like you as a city regional planner, like you literally uh, understand like the role of not just what it does for movement of traffic or what it does for um, uh, the economic 
like disparity, but also what it does just for like the ability of people to move around in, in, in mm. different cultures to move around and experience all of that. Yeah. So I guess two, two lines of thought there. Um, first of all, like when you're talking about cities, find the reddest areas and you'll find the gayest cities nearby. So, <laughs> it, it's kind of a, I mean, Atlanta, Georgia, like that city is gay. Like, but then what's it surrounded by? It's surrounded by the most regressive region in our country. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the South is just, I mean, the South is truly unsafe for sure. a lot of people in the LGBT community. I'm generally safe here because I'm not like, I don't present myself as overly, you know, I guess as they would call it overly gay or overly flamboyant or, you know, I'm not transgender. So like I can, I can be myself in a state like Tennessee or Alabama, you know, I can be, you know, that's where I can kind of just turn on my fanatical sports craze self there and be fine. But the like places like that are truly unsafe. So then what do you get as a result? You get Atlanta where it's, I mean, that's probably a top five gay city. Yeah. You know? So, well, I mean, hey, you even look at Louisiana, like you look at like New Orleans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 uh, so one of my, one of my all time favorite, like I love bounce music and I love Big Frida. Right. And Big Frida could absolutely exist in New Orleans. But you, you could go to Baton Rouge and already that's an entirely different perspective on all of that. Right. Right. So, you're right. Like urban centers do something different that the look, look at Minnesota, mm-hmm. Hennepin County and Ramsey County are firmly blue, and that's where the majority of the population lives. And like, like land doesn't vote, people do. Like, I get that, right? Like, it, it seems like a silly trite thing to say, but land doesn't vote, people do. Mm-hmm. But you can get twenty miles out of the city and see. Trump twenty twenty four fuck your feelings sign on, on on the front of somebody's farmer's lawn or whatever, like there is this weird dichotomy of why people are are flooding to certain areas and not others, right? I uh, so like you have to see that in your role as a city regional planner that like it's not just economic reasons and it's not just you know access to work or you know commerce or any of those but that it there has to be like social reasons why people are, are flocking to those centers as well is that something that like you can you can see or you calculate or you think about when you're talking about those things yeah i mean some people just move to omaha because they've got three olive gardens but um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um <laughs> that wasn't my reason um but you do you, folks. Um, <laughs> you die better places in the world. Well, there are uh, unlimited salad and breadsticks, Travis. And this economy, that does sell well. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, and, and, you know, like, I think one of the reasons why, like, you know, like, I, I kind of go nuts on, on Twitter about, like, mass transit. And urban spaces, public yeah. spaces. Yeah, um, and that's usually when I mute your tweets. 
Oh, no, that's, and that's usually when I dig right in because I love the idea of mass transit. I'm big on mass transit. But that is something I want. At the end of the day, I think there's just value to when you're commuting to work, there's value to just sitting next to someone who's going to a completely different job than you. Yeah. Yeah. And has a completely different set of problems in their life than yours. There is so much value in that. And, you know, and when I was in, when I was in Europe last uh, fall, you know, just the number of kids who were just out and about playing with each other in the street, you know, like five miles from their home, like there's so much value in that. And I think that I, 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 I do kind of have a passion with that because the more and more the kids grow up in kind of an offense in backyard, the less likely they're going to be willing, be willing or able to be accepting of people who are different than them yeah. once they leave their home. You know, I think, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I was lucky enough to grow up on a bike every day, you know, with the neighbor kids, get my knees scraped up, you know, all that kind of <clears> stuff. <throat> and that was probably one of the, that was probably one of the, some of the more formidable times in my childhood even. Um, now, so as, as, as I've kind of come to fruition in my career, I think it's really important that we build and we create places and we plan for great places that it's not about the place. It's about how the people interact in them. Because I think at the end of the day, it's, it's proven that people are happier. People are more accepting. People are more um, um, of a mindset that um, kind of uh, captures more like creativity and collaboration and, um, having more of a having more like ideas be able to stream through them because they're able to be in these urban spaces that you're talking about, Tim. Yeah. And that's why cities are usually more gay friendly. Yeah. Because you're just more like, well, first of all, we actually have theaters in cities, yeah. you know, yeah. and, that, and that's that's kind of been the big, uh, that's kind of been all... the big, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, that's kind of been the safe space for a lot of the yeah. gay community. Oh, for sure, so, for, for sure. I, I, I was, I was, I was a theater, I was a theater major at Iowa State. I get that. I think, I think for all of the the stereotypes that it is, I think it's just that you're just used to interacting with people that are different than yeah. you. Yeah. At the end of the day, and so it becomes a natural, safer space for you to interact because no one, like in a small town, right? Like where I grew up in a small town you expect everyone to be just like you if you're not in the church choir and whether you're collaborating yeah. on a play or a library project or anything understanding that someone is coming from a different space whether that be a person of color uh, a member of the lgbt Q community whether it be someone from a different religion than you like literally at the end of the day a city increases your likelihood that you are interacting with someone who has a different experience than you. So I get that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's, and ultimately that's being in an urban space. Like, you know, I always call it the Omaha space inside of 72nd street. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, that's, you know, cause outside of 72nd street, it's the suburbs, you know, yeah. it's, um, being in this space is where I finally came out. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, a place where, you know, and I, and I was lucky enough to have a place where um, at work I was encountering people of color. I was encountering, um, for the first time in my career, like even like women in leadership, which well, that was yeah. new to me, um, encountering, um, you know, 
a workplace and a community where we could actually talk about diversity. We could talk about, you know, like I talked about with my 2018 experience or 2019 experience with, um, you know, working in a red line community. You yeah. Know, it, it's these spaces where I finally learned to walk in other people's shoes kind of thing. So, yeah. well, I appreciate that. So we have one other uh, sponsored question that we want to get to. Um, I'm going to let Chris go ahead and kick off how we do this. Okay, so uh, Travis, we're going to ask you the uh, Wintrust Kyle Lehman uh, question of the of the pod. Uh, and Kyle Lehman, big Hawkeye fan, so we let him give us our money to uh, to tout how great his mortgage company <laughs> is at Wintrust. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to play his ad, and that'll give you time to think of an answer. Okay. Okay. So uh, the Wintrust question of the pod is always. Uh, you have a, a magic time machine that can go back 10 years. What piece of advice is 2023 Travis going to go back and tell 2013 Travis? So think about that. Let's play the ad. And then when we come back, we'll get your answer. Are you in the market for a new house and unsure of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546. Okay. Uh, thank you again, Kyle, for all your support. Uh, if you do have uh, a mortgage coming up or thinking about refinancing, uh, be sure to give Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage a call. Travis, we asked you before the pod, 2023 Travis has a time machine goes back in time to 2013 Travis what piece of advice is he giving him the answer is probably just to travel more um I finally got overseas last year in 2022 um and I think that would have I mean to be honest me from 20 2008 to probably 2015 all my travel was sports-based probably mm -hmm. in Iowa State for the most part of the Cardinals and I think had I traveled more outside of that realm, I probably would have, um, well, one, it probably would have just provided me more perspective for my career. But in terms of being able to go to places where uh, people like me, who I actually am, was accepted, probably would have um, alleviated some of the kind of, I guess, what you call internal homophobia or internal self-hate or internal self-grief kind of thing. Um, I've had that thought for a while, actually. Um, especially cause like, I mean, I was just in the Netherlands where like there, I mean, there, there, there are places where you have to come out as straight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, being able to experience some of that quicker, I think would have, would have really helped me. I, I really regret not studying abroad at some point in college. I really yeah, do. I um, do. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, now that, that's probably it. Um, I regret not buying a house before the pandemic. Does that does that give me brownie points with your sponsor? Absolutely, it does. I'm sure. I can't afford a house now, so it's like 
I will tell you different. I'll tell you different. You can afford it. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll be able to travel again in 2037. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, no, I, hey, Travis, man, I know we've kind of covered like an entire universe of things. Uh, I guess I have one last question for you because I know. Oh, you were up here recently. Uh, when are you going to be up here again so we can go to the Twins game? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, you plan, plan something and I can maybe make it work. Okay. Maybe uh, I'll right. yeah. done. Sold. So, yeah. No, uh, the last two Minnesota trips I've done, Tim, were planned within 10 days. Okay. So okay, well then. I'm not exactly uh, – so, like, I obviously plan trips ahead when I have to, when I have to uh, fly, obviously, because I can't afford a flight. Seven days oh, prior. But, sure. Um, sure. When it comes to Midwest travel, I'm usually on the fly. Like, you know, hell, half the time I'll I'll find a tweet and Travis will be in West Des Moines or something already. So yeah. he doesn't give anybody yeah, any yeah. pre pre planning. That, nope. uh, no, listener Denny says thank you, Travis. You've been very entertaining and a lot to think about. Uh, which I I would echo that sentiment as well. Um, Amen. Yeah, for sure. We do have one more uh, Steph Copley. Oh, that's right. Semi-sponsored uh, segment, Travis. Uh, I'm sure you've listened before. Steph Copley was on. My favorite mm. favorite part of Steph Copley's episode was when she told Tim to shut the F up um, so that she could talk. <laughs> so we decided to make it a segment. So uh, we encourage everybody to go donate to the Young Women's Resource Center in the name of Old Man Strength and Steph Copley. And then when we come back, Travis, we get to shut the F up and you get to say whatever we whatever you want and we can't respond at all. So one second. Hey, everybody. It's Steph Copley, the woman behind the STFU segment on the Old Man Strength podcast. When I told the guys I wanted to sponsor this segment, they recommended that I make a charitable donation instead. So that's what I did. I chose the Young Women's Resource Center in Des Moines, Iowa. They're a nonprofit that supports, educates, and advocates for girls and young women ages 10 to 24. Their whole goal is to make sure that these young women become strong, self-confident, and successful. And if you know me at all, you know that aligns with my goals as well. If you're interested and would like to donate, check them out at ywrc.com. Org and donate today. And remember, don't forget to STFU and listen every once in a while. Thanks. We even did that and, and didn't have to go in the swear jar. Okay, Travis, this is your time. You get to say whatever you want. And Tim and I don't get to say a word. Well, Tim's not even here, so I can't even do my 90-minute planned roast of Tim Johnson. <laughs> sure you can. <laughs> we'll listen. No. Um, no, I, I, I don't, I don't need to tell him to be quiet about anything because I, uh, I just talk over him anyway. So, um, I think, I think as, as you guys have realized during this whole podcast, I think, I think the, the big lesson that I've been trying to learn myself, teach myself. And then as I move forward, um, when it comes to advocating myself is just teach people to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Um, I even do it. So, and you, know, and, you know, I think, and I think some people are like, oh, you're not going to walk a mile in the shoes of someone who's related. I'm like, trust me, I have. I did for 20 years, you know. Um, I think that um, 
I think the way that we get out of this this rut that our country's in, our society, our world's in, is just by doing that. You got to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. You got to understand what what makes them tick. You know what makes what makes their life hard. What their setbacks are. Why certain things in their lives may not be happening. And I think overall that just creates a society of empathy first. I think we have a we have a judgment first society right now, and I think that I think that. We'll, the way that we'll maybe get our country back on track as an empathy for society. I think that's first. Um, I think that as a result of me coming out of the closet, I began to empathize with so many different communities. Like, like I said, with popular, uh, with, with, um, you know, racial minority groups, the trans community, women, um, the disability community. I run a paratransit committee now for my job. I never would have imagined doing that five years ago, you know. And um, so I think that I think that just in general, I, there there are so many things that make life just so ridiculously hard that we don't need people to make it harder. So I think just that that's my general message and. Um, just overall is walk around in someone's shoes. I think you'll, first of all, all doctors do recommend walking or doing any sort of exercise for 30 minutes a day, but also <laughs> walk around in someone's shoes before you judge them. Yeah. That's, and your cardiologist will thank you too. I, I don't know, man. I, I listened for at least uh, a mile's worth of Nickelback and drink enough Anheuser-Busch, and yet I've got Chris Shipley over there, a Nickelback fan with an Anheuser-Busch hat, and I don't know how to handle what is, all of that. What is, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you don't have to become Chris Shipley. <laughs> you have to understand. The world would be a lot better place if a lot of people, if a lot of people were a lot, a lot more like me. I'm just saying. I'm tolerant as hell. So uh, that doesn't mean we want to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to be me. <laughs> um, hey, uh, Travis, uh, I don't know if you want to tell people where they can find you on the social medias, but this is your opportunity to say what, where they can or can't find you. Yeah, I'm Travis Clones on Twitter. So uh, that's that's where you can see most of my um, pontifications, my rants, my perspective. Um, I don't do it very often, but sometimes I have to put people in their place, which I don't really like doing. But like sometimes you got to do it on on the Twitter space, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, no, I mean so, you. So that's where I'm at. Um, so yeah, that's that's in, in terms of this space. That's basically where I'm found. Um, you know, I uh, I get around. So if, if if you follow me on Twitter and I'm in your city, I'll always be open to uh, have a beer nine with you. So just as I've done with Tim and I've done with Chris before. I uh, Chris, I uh, I saw you last time. Last time I saw you was in Las Vegas. So I drank water right. up, up today. My we're we're tailgating. This fall, so I'm, we'll hook yeah. up at a tailgate. One or two. Yeah, we'll go steal. We'll go steal Brent Curvey's branded ambulance truck that he stole out from underneath me. That's a whole another story. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it or anything. 
All right. Well, well, with that, uh, listener, thank you very much for hanging out with us. Uh, this has been another edition of Old Man Strength, brought to you by Three Beards Media, sponsored by Revelton Distilling and Winchester Mortgage, and broadcasting from the Betfred Sportsbook Studios. I am Tim Johnson, joined by Chris Shipley, our special guest, Travis Helm. Chris, anything else you want to add? We're just, we're, we're super busy. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Trice Legacy Foundation's golf tournament this Friday. It is sold out. George was able to sell it out. Uh, and they've got some, some really big prizes. And if you didn't join it and you want to go meet Cy and take the kids to meet Cy, Coldwater Golf Cars, uh, 8 o'clock. Cy will be there. Bring the kids. Get your picture taken. And uh, I'm just really proud that he was able to sell that out. So That is awesome. Congrats, George. We are very proud of you. And with that, Chris, Travis, I am Tim. And I will see you guys next time. Thank <laughs> you.